for the, the midweek service tonight. Good to see each and every one here. Uh, this is a holiday week, so some folks are away, but I'm glad that you're here tonight. And we're going to worship God, singing together hymn number six. <clears throat> bring us, my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like thee his praise should sing. seated. You remember those that, that mourn tonight and our thoughts are particularly with them. Um, Mrs. Kearns, of course, lost her brother and tomorrow the funeral will take place. So we remember that situation before the Lord. Some of you may have known Brian Foreman. Uh, Brian Foreman was connected with the Missionary Council away in the early days and he spent a lot of time in England, went to Dr. Brian Green's church and then he retired home and he passed away and Mrs. Walkingshaw, the matron 
of the Whitfield College of the Bible when I was there. She passed away and she was buried uh, today. So we are remembering these folks. We know also that right next door to her sister Margaret Keery, a dear friend of hers, has passed away. So we think of all these folks tonight at the throne of grace in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to the presence of God. There's an open door. There's a welcome for us. Provision has been made that we can draw near to God. And we are accepted in Jesus Christ, who is the beloved. He's the beloved Son of God. And he's our beloved Savior. He's the mediator at the right hand of the Father. We're glad tonight that he prays for his church. Your eye is upon us in a very special way because we're loved with everlasting love. And that love has been set upon us from all eternity. We thank thee that in time we were drawn irresistibly to Christ. We praise you for opening our eyes to see and our hearts to understand. We were brought to that place where we realized our sinnership before God and that we were condemned, condemned already. But in loving kindness, Jesus came, our souls in mercy to reclaim. And we praise you afresh for the whole scheme of redemption, the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross when he came and he took our place He paid the price for our sin. Indeed, he bore our sin on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, we've come to put our faith and trust in Christ alone. We're anchored in him. He's the foundation of our faith. We're standing upon none other. For all other ground is sinking sand. Father, we thank you for the personal relationship that we have with Christ, the King of the Church. And for his presence, guaranteed every day with his people. Lord, thou hast walked with us today. And we know that you'll walk with us tomorrow and in every day. You will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the guarantee that you've given. And may we be more conscious of that every day. Of the Lord's presence. We think of the one of old who said, So did not I because of the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. And it will keep us from sin. O Lord, teach us every day the fear of the Lord. Do remember those that mourn. We commit them in love to thee. Think of our sister Mrs. Cairns here tonight. And Lord, you know the burden of her heart and the sorrow that has come to her family circle with the passing of Jim. We pray that thou will continue to bear her up in the arms of grace and love. Thou will bless tomorrow very especially at the funeral service. And may your presence carry this family through. And may your grace prove to be sufficient. Remember the Walkingshaw family also. We thank you for our sister and for those years of service at the Whitfield College of the Bible. And Lord, our sister got old and came to that time of departure in her life. And she's with the Lord today and that's the comfort of the gospel and that's the comfort for this family but we pray Lord as they've led 
a dear one to rest today that thou will be with them and that thou wilt help them. Think of the Foreman family as well. Thank thee for Brian, for his life, his testimony, his witness, his love for Christ, his love for missionary work. And we pray that you will bless the family that is left behind. Think of our sister Margaret Carey too and the loss of this neighbor and we pray that you'll bear her up in the arms of love. Bless your children that are here. We think of our sister Lena from Ukraine and you know her desire to get back to her husband as soon as she can. We pray that in your will and in your providence you will open up the door and that this will all come to pass according to the purpose and the plan of Almighty God. We thank, Lord, of the seed that was sown at the gospel mission. And, Lord, we do believe it's still doing a work because the guarantee that God has given is that my word shall not return to me void. And so we do pray that it will prosper and it will continue to challenge and that men and women and young people who attended the mission without Christ will sense and feel their burden of sin. And, Lord, in feeling that, may they see there is a remedy in Christ May they fly to him with all haste, get underneath his blood, which is the only covering for our sin. We pray that you will bless over the weekend, the open air on Saturday morning, the youth fellowship tomorrow night, the meetings on the Sabbath day. Visit us, Lord, with revival, stricken with coldness and death, where is our hope of survival, save in thy life-giving breath. Send the Holy Spirit, we pray. And may these be great days in the the service of God, when a work will be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As always, we welcome you and those that are tuning in on the internet. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's precious name. We remind you that the Youth Fellowship is tomorrow night for the young people at 8 o'clock. It's also the presbytery that will take place in Cookstown. That meeting is also at 8 o'clock. And then Saturday morning as we pray for the open air, 11 a.m. is the stated time when that meeting will take place. Pray for it, the one who would preach, and for favourable weather. Then the Lord's Day prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock, Sunday school, 10.30, the Bible class, 10.45. Worship service, 12 noon. In the will of God, I'll be here to preach the word. And then family night in the evening time, Mr. Jonathan Whiteside uh, from Porto Bogey will be the preacher, and Kirsten McMullen is the soloist. Remember us as we go that evening to a Hori Gospel Mission, organised by Tandra Free Church. Uh, they have four or five preachers, is it? And uh, I'm one of them, so I'll be preaching there on the Sunday night and the Wednesday night. Remember us in prayer, and we pray that the seed of the gospel will be well sown into the hearts of men. After our own gospel service, refreshments will be served. And ladies, we do look to you to help out with those refreshments, please. Thank you. Can I mention Remembrance Sunday? That is Sunday week, so it's coming up very, very near. Uh, the 13th of November, usual time, 7 o'clock. We're having a testimony from Major David Johnston. Some of you will know David. He's the son of the Reverend Ron Johnston. And he's the reserve officer in the Royal Irish Rangers. And I'll be preaching at that and there'll be others taking part as well. But I want just to flag that up now and invite others to come along. We will have special guests there that night, as you know. And it's a wreath-laying service as well. And we've asked if 
the pastor will lay a wreath on behalf of Ukraine. We think of this most recent war and the bloodshed and those soldiers and civilians that have been killed. Can I mention also that a congregation is needed for Let the Bible Speak uh, television recordings on Monday the 14th of November. I've been asked to preach at the first one. There's three. There's one at seven and then two following that. And these recordings are in Lurgan. And if you can help put your name on the sheet provided it's just at the door as you leave. I think that's all the announcements I need to make for now. Uh, We're going to sing another hymn, 264, In Loving Kindness, Jesus Came. My soul and mercy to reclaim from the depths of sin and shame through grace he lifted me.
Let's read together Psalm 40. Uh, Before I forget, because it wasn't on the announcements, there's a short committee meeting after this one. So if committee members can remember, please to just stay behind for a moment or two. Good to see those young people that have made it to the prayer meeting tonight. It's always a delight of my heart to see you and for you to get in involved in the place of prayer and to be present with us. Good to see Cassia here tonight. She was asked recently if she could name some things about her grandfather and unknown to her it was recorded. But it is only for private use. And um, she said some lovely, she said to me today that I love to sing. And that, that is true. I mightn't sing very well but I do love to sing. She's all embarrassed now. She does, she does what my wife does whenever she's embarrassed. She puts her head down, you know. So there you go. Let's read Psalm 40 together. It's a lovely psalm and it's full of memory texts, something uh, I'm sure that you're familiar with, many of these verses. If not all, you've maybe recited this, you've learned it off by heart. It's a psalm of David, and he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the mary clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. 
Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. May the Lord be pleased to to bless these words, this beautiful psalm, to every heart. There's a verse of scripture tonight that has meant a lot to me for years and I couldn't get away with it, or away from it rather, this week, thinking about it recently, thinking about it on Tuesday. And it's the last verse and the opening part of it where the psalmist says, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. And I trust tonight as we look at the psalm and we home in on this verse particularly that it'll mean something to you, that you'll be able to rejoice tonight knowing that in the midst of all your need that the Lord is thinking about you. And if you take nothing else away from the prayer meeting and Bible study tonight, take that away with you. Whatever your circumstances are, whatever you might be going through tonight, the Lord thinks upon his people like no other thinks upon them. He's thinking about you tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this glorious truth. We think of God's thoughts for the poor and the needy. And we're glad that he thinks about us. And so often we're in this position where we're poor, we're needy in our circumstances. But the Lord is always thinking about us. We're always in his mind. We think of the infiniteness of God. We think of our own finiteness and how apt we are to forget, how apt we are, Lord, to fall into that place of of weakness where we forget so much. We can't think about those that are important in our lives all the time. And we love our families, yet we can't think about them all the time. And we love our God, and we don't think about him enough. But yet our God, because he's infinite and eternal, he's thinking about us. And he's thinking about us all the time. And not just us, but all of his people throughout the world. And Lord, that's something that we, in our own finite minds, can't process very well. To think that God can, can think about the millions and millions of people that are his people, that are his children, redeemed and washed and saved by grace. He can think about them all the time. And he thinks well about us. He thinks always for our good. And Lord, we pray that we'll learn this tonight, that we learn nothing more. And so speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If I was to put uh, the title on this message, it would be just as you see it there tonight, God's thoughts for the poor and the needy. I think you'll know that this is a testimony psalm written by the sweet psalmist of Israel. There's very powerful applications to David's conversion experience here. And it's, of course, applicable to all of us that are in Christ. The Lord inclining his ear to us 
You remember when we called upon him, when we came in repentance and faith to Christ, and the Lord heard us, he inclined his ear. And then we think of how he delivered us from the horrible pit, and he brought us up out of the the merry clay where we were wallowing in our sin, and our feet were set upon the rock. And that rock, of course, is Christ Jesus. It reminds us of the the foundation of our faith on Christ, the solid rock we stand. And the new song that was put into our mouth is evangelical terms or language, isn't it? It's a song about Christ. It's a song about redemption. We love to sing about him who loved us and gave himself for us and was crucified for us. And when we sing about the blood of the Lamb, we're singing about the new song that the Lord has given to his people. This testimony being observed by others can often have a remarkable effect, as you see there at the end of verse 3, because it tells us that many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. I think I've pointed out before, it's not just many shall hear it, and we ought to speak our testimony. We ought to give words to others about the grace of God in our lives, but they're going to see it. And we want others to see that testimony in us. And as they see it, we're told here that they shall fear and they shall trust in the Lord. The opening line of verse 4 could very well express the happiness felt in our hearts as we exercise faith in Christ. Blessed or how happy is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. We have used these words and other parts of the psalm as our own testimony many times. As we have related to others what God has done for us, we have been able to to speak in such terms, being brought up out of the horrible pit, the mary clay, our feet being brought to stand upon the rock, Christ Jesus. And we have prayed, I'm sure, over this psalm with thanksgiving. Rejoicing that what the Lord has done for us, bringing us up, setting our feet upon Jesus Christ. However, as you know tonight, this is not David's testimony declaring his conversion experience. It is David's testimony declaring a liberation experience, a deliverance from some situation of great trouble and trial. We're not sure exactly what. David is referring to here, but you look at the language of the psalmist right throughout the the song that is before us and you see these descriptions that highlight the trouble that he was in and the sorrow that that he felt. Maybe even your experience tonight, for all I know. Verse 2 speaks about the horrible pit and the Mary clay. Verse 12, David speaks about innumerable evils that that compassed him, that were just all around him. And he speaks about mine iniquities. Those iniquities of David had taken hold upon him. Such experiences caused David to be bowed down because he declares, I'm not able to look up. And I'm sure you've been there, whether it's been weighed down with affliction and burden and, and trouble and trial, or even weighed down with your sin, not able to look up, You're bowed down with those difficult situations that you're in. 
The sorrows and the sins of David were uncountable. They are more than the hairs of mine head. And I don't think David was bald. I think David had a good head of hair. The average person, I'm told, and this is just by the way, has 100,000 hairs. And then there's the whole situation if you look into brunettes, blondes, and all the rest of it, ginger-haired people, it does vary. You can look it up for yourself. You'll get all the information that you need nowadays in Google. But I know it's an expression of, of uh, metaphor. It's speaking about the multiple problems that David felt that he was in. And he says, there are more than the hairs of my head. A hundred thousand plus, maybe. But he's just really saying they are so many. I am so burdened. David speaks here about his, his heart failing. And in verse 14, <clears throat> he talks about those that, that seek after my soul to destroy it. And those that wish me evil. So I'm sure as you look at these descriptions, you can identify somewhat with them, if not all of them, at least some of them. And this is the place where you find yourself in. Campbell Morgan speculated, in this case, the reason for the song, in all probability, was that of the deliverance of David from all the long experience of outlawry and suffering, and the fact that he had been brought to his coronation. And when you think of all that David came through from his youth, all that he endured at the hands of King Saul especially, and all the deliverances that God gave him from the, the Philistine army, and now he's eventually brought to sit upon the throne of Israel, it could be referring to that deliverance that God had given to him. David testifies how that he waited upon God, waited patiently, waited earnestly, waited perseveringly until God came and stepped into his circumstances and brought deliverance. It is indeed a marvelous thing when we, we wait in such a fashion upon the Lord and he intervenes on our behalf. He delivers us from our affliction. He takes us out of that horrible pit. He lifts us from the merry clay and he brings us to stand upon that place of security and safety where once again we have a sure footing described here as a rock. Indeed he brings us to the place of joy and praise where we sing the new song. And if I can quote Campbell Morgan again, he said, the suffering servant of God always becomes the singing one. For as the secret of song is ever that of waiting for God, doing the will of God, and are in and through suffering, the result is always deliverance and the issue a song. Now such deliverance and joyful praise often became an inspiration to others. We, we've mentioned this in verse 4. Others came to fear and they came to trust in the Lord. And I pray that that will be more often our joyful delight. That as we are delivered from our circumstances, and if it is even our testimony that we're giving of conversion, 
or the testimony of divine intervention in their life, that that will speak to others, that they will come to fear God, that they will come to trust in him. Now the whole psalm culminates with David's declaration in verse 17. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. I often think of this verse in times of need. When I I see myself just where David is. And I identify myself so much with this psalm. And the circumstances that I am in are very well described as poor and needy. And I often ponder this in relationship to those that are physically poor and needy. Those that are around us that so often we have the opportunity to meet with and to work with. Now there's two things to notice in this statement. The first one is man's woeful confession. And it's here summarized in the opening part. But I am poor and needy. I think you know tonight that just about every psalm can be looked at in three ways. There is the primary association. That's the historical aspect. So that's the circumstances of the writer, what he's passing through. Then there is the prophetic anticipation. And that has been called the typical aspect. And there's often prophecy in the Psalms, looking very often to the Savior. They're they're full of Christ. And then, of course, there is the personal application. That's the devotional aspect where we just sit down and we're not thinking about who wrote it. We're not thinking about their circumstances. We're not thinking about what the prophetic outlook is, but we're just thinking about ourselves. And we're praying down the psalm and we're identifying with the words and we're just saying, that's me. And we're able to go through the psalm and apply it to our own hearts. So the first application belongs to David himself as he writes here by divine inspiration. He declares his experience all the way through these verses. He ultimately comes to express his his poverty and his need. I am poor and needy. And this is not a reference to physical poorness and need. David was the king. David had wealth and abundance. He lived in a palace. He had much of this world's goods, silver, gold, and many other things. David was not a poor man. No, he's declaring here his adverse circumstances when he says, I am poor and I am needy. And then, of course, The psalm points to the Messiah. I do believe with all my heart this psalm is strongly messianic. It's pointing to Christ. And Christ in in those times in his life, especially towards the end, when he was poor and needy, in the midst of his circumstances, indeed when he went to the cross for us, when he bore our sins in his own body at the tree, Some people have objected to this psalm being called a messianic psalm because there is a little line here where David says, Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me. And we know tonight that Christ was without sin. And there was no real sense where Jesus Christ of himself could say, Mine iniquities. 
And yet if we fully understood the imputation of our sin to Christ, that our sin became Christ's sin as it were, so really and truly as he bore those sins of the cross of Calvary, that Christ could almost say, mine iniquities, yet he himself was pure and perfect and sinless and without sin. It was our sin that he was carrying. But thirdly, it has an application for us. It is very likely that every Christian has been here at some time or another. And as I've said, maybe even now. You come to this Thursday night meeting and you find yourself in the situation of Psalm 40. And I think of all the descriptions that I've mentioned from the beginning, the horrible pit, the Mary clay and so forth, right down to this verse, I am poor and I'm needy tonight. If people just realize where I am, I'm in a difficult place. I'm in a very low place in my life. And maybe you're listening in on the internet tonight and that's where you are. You have immediately identified with the expressions in this song. You can speak right now about the horrible pit that you're in. And the Mary clay and the innumerable evils that have compassed you, surrounded you, your pathway. Even your sins have, have taken hold upon you and you're bowed down. You can't look up. You're just weighed down with your troubles and your problems and you feel that, that these trials are, are more than the hairs of your head or the hairs of a normal person's head if that being the case is the case. Are there those that are even seeking to destroy you? David speaks about this language. Are there those that wish you evil? Because certainly David was there and it is your sad confession tonight Yes, preacher, I am poor and I am needy. Sickness, sorrow, suffering, severe trial can bring you to such a place. Well, then do what David did. What did he do? I waited patiently for the Lord with that confident assurance that he will incline his ear to you also. He will hear your cry. He will deliver you from the horrible pit in the Mary clay and he'll put the new song in your heart again that'll cause you joy and bring you to the place of happiness where you ought to be as a child of God. Man's woeful confession. It's David's and Purinity. Is it yours tonight? But I want to come to the second thought, the other little part of the text. God's wonderful consideration. Even though I'm poor and needy, there's one in glory, and he's thinking about me. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. See, as Spurgeon said, <clears throat> he thought upon thee as he thinks upon thee still. When the father thinks of his children, he thinks of thee. When the great judge of all thinks of the justified ones, he thinks of thee. Oh, Christian, can you grasp the thought the eternal Father thinks of you? It's a most amazing declaration of divine truth, really. God thinks about his people. The infinite, eternal, 
unchangeable God considers you and I in our troubles and trials. And I want you to know that tonight. Not, not just words that we're bringing to you. It's, it's fact. I want you to know that. I want you to understand that whatever you're going through as a child of God, God is thinking about you. And this is emphasized in, in the song of David here. He says in verse 5, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And here in verse 17, the Lord thinketh upon me. You might say that verse 5 is more general because he speaks about us there, thy thoughts which are to usward. And we can say that tonight as we come to this Bible study this evening. God is thinking about us collectively. But you can get to the point of verse 17 where you can say he's thinking about me. And it's not just collectively now, it's personally. It's right for you in an individual sense. And so we can say about God's thoughts that God's thoughts are innumerable. Verse 5 emphasizes this. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more, more than can be numbered. If we could just take time to declare and to speak of the, the thoughts of God towards us, we would run out of time. We'd just be able to speak again and again as the Lord puts it into our minds. All the thoughts of God, the way that he thinks about his children. In such a way, they're innumerable. If you were to expand upon the thoughts of God, we can say they are invaluable because Psalm 139, verse 17 says, How precious, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. When he's speaking about the amount of them, again, when he speaks about the sum of them. But it's that opening little part, How precious also are thy thoughts. Yes, they are invaluable. If you think of Isaiah 55 and verses 8 and 9, we can say that they are exceptional. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. But as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I'm saying they're exceptional because they're way up there. God's thoughts are so high and lofty. When he thinks about his people. And if I can give you one other word. They're commendable. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. And not of evil. To give you an expected end. Commendable thoughts of God towards us. His thoughts are good for his people. I want you to know that tonight. Child of God. Lena, I want you to know that tonight you may not understand fully what I'm saying, but I want you and the Ukrainian brethren and sisters to know that when we think of what you've come through, when we think of what's happening in Ukraine, when we think of what is still to happen if the Lord does not step in and bring deliverance there, there are some of the experts predicting that this war could go on for two or three years and even more. But, but the Lord's thinking about you. And our sister has a desire to go home. 
She's been away now from her husband, who's a pastor, for six months. And it's her desire to go home. You know that. Some of you are praying that that will happen. She's got one more piece of documentation that she needs. And she will be going to, to visit the Ukrainian consulate to uh, seek to get this process so that she can get back home again. You pray for her that the will of God might be done. But let her know this. God's thinking about you as he's thinking about all of his children. And just to conclude this little part, because I, I, I did say I would bring a, a report tonight on the visit to Romania, but just to conclude, God thinks about our poor Roma friends too. And some of these individuals have professed faith in Christ. And in the midst of all their deep and dark poverty, God's thinking about them. And I'm glad to know that. God thinks about the poor and the needy. He thinks about them continually. He thinks about them compassionately. He thinks about them practically. You see, you can't read the Psalm 40 and verse 17 where we say, He thinketh about me in a personal way without saying that God's thoughts are practical towards his people. You know, we can think, but there's nothing practical in our thinking. And it's good to think about others. But if, if it goes no further than our mind, it's, it's, not, it's not the kind of thoughts that, that God is having towards us. When God thinks about us, he's thinking about us in our poverty, in our need, in our difficult circumstances, He's not only seeing that, he's not only acknowledging that, but it is with a view to step in and to do something to alleviate that poverty and need that we're in. That's how God thinks about us. You know, when somebody goes to the mission field and you shake their hand and you say, oh, brother, I'm thinking about you. Maybe you come to the place where you don't think about them at all. But, you know, to really think about them is to be practical, to pray for them, to support them whatever way you can. And if you see somebody that's in need and uh, you just say, I'm thinking about you, well, you haven't come to the place where you've done anything, your, your thoughts are not practical. I'm just saying tonight, if we're like the Lord, our thoughts will be practical. And so the great question is, how do we think about the poor and needy? Are we like God in, in this at all? But they're always upon our mind that we're moved with compassion towards them. We, we are most practical in what we do. Proper godly thoughts with the poor and needy bring us to feel. You feel something. What, what, what you think here is effect, affecting your heart now. And it brings us to pray. I believe that if we see our brethren and sisters in need, we'll certainly not only feel for them, we will pray for them. And it will bring us to do something, whatever we can do. There's maybe little we can do in a practical way, but we'll do what we can. I was looking up the word think this week, how it's used in Scripture, and I was greatly challenged about it. I'm just saying this in, in closing. I'll give you three verses of Scripture. I was looking at these yesterday. Genesis 40, verse 14. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness. There's the practical aspect of thinking and show kindness I pray thee unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house I'm sure you all know the story 
you know the history here. You know who's speaking. You know who he's speaking to. Isn't that right? Joseph is the one that's speaking. He's speaking to the butler whose life is going to be spared. He's going to be delivered from prison. He's going back to serve Pharaoh. And Joseph had told him about that, had interpreted his dream. And he said, when it's well with you, you don't forget about me. You remember me and think kindly towards me and show kindness, which I'm sure would be maybe making a petition to Pharaoh. But we know that the butler forgot all about him when he got out. I'm sure he was delighted to get out of that terrible prison, but he forgot all about him. And as I thought of those kind of thoughts that Joseph was wanting the butler to have, I sometimes think we forget about people too. And we don't think about others the way that we should. And whenever we're in circumstances that are difficult and maybe our brother or sister is, is relieved and not in the same circumstances, it would be good for them to think about me in such a way. Well, we, we don't want to be like this butler. Don't, sure we don't. We don't want to be like him and, and forget all about the Josephs in, in prison in their dark places. Then I thought of Nehemiah 5 and 19. Think upon me, my God. He's, he's talking to the Lord now. Think upon me, my God, for good. And we know that God's thoughts towards his people are good. And Nehemiah is asking the Lord, Lord, I want you to remember me for good. And the last little part of that text says, according to all that I have done for this people. Nehemiah served the people. And he did well for the people. And he's even using that as an argument for the Lord to think about him. Lord, think about me for good. I have done this and I, I have showed kindness to your people, our people. Lord, will you not think about me for good? It's a prayer. And then the other verse was Proverbs 23 and verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So whatever, whatever way you think in your heart, that's you. That's you. When you see your brother in need, or when you see somebody burdened, bow down, can't look up. Uh, what thoughts do you have towards them? Because that's you. If your thoughts are good and your thoughts are wanting to alleviate them and help them and encourage them and care for them, well then, that's a good thing. But if your thoughts are not that way, that's you. And you've got to face up to it and maybe make changes in your life. May God help us to rejoice in his wonderful, compassionate thoughts towards us and then cause us to be more like him. Amen. May God Bless these few thoughts to you tonight for the Saviour's sake. If you were a, a senior with us and we had 11 or 12 uh, that came back to the, the first meeting there, some of them were not able to come because of ill health. But if you were, you got a preview into most of these slides that I'm going to show you tonight. So we did go, Susan and I, we went on a, a trip to Romania. Can't really call it a a holiday. It was surprising. Some people actually said, enjoy your holiday as, as we were uh, leaving. Uh, two people actually said to me yesterday, did you get a suntan? Well, we weren't really lying out in the sun. It's just my natural uh, complexion, if you want to put it that way. So anyhow, we went. It was more of a mission trip. And we had our friends, as you know, who did um, a lot of the work 
regarding the shoebox project, they had a lot of the work done before we came. We thought this might be a good idea. In past days, we, we did it here. We made up the shoeboxes. Some of you were involved in that, and we shipped them out. And then we came up, my wife came up with the idea, why not do them in Romania? And it worked very well. I have to say this was a great success. So off we went. And uh, the the first major uh, visit that we had, and it took all day, we we did a visit for an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes, but it took all day. We had to rise about 5.30, get to the airport, and fly down to uh, Budapest, Bucharest, sorry, get them mixed up. We're not in Hungary, we are in, in Romania and uh, get the car we hired a car and then we went to a place where we linked up with a pastor who had um, received the pallet that we sent out but there was one box on that pallet that was marked for the young girl Florentina and that was the purpose of her visit too to go and visit this family some of you have met uh, this family so Stefan and Trina the mother and father and the seven children that's the seven children there and the oldest is on my right Yanuts he's 14 he was actually 14 that day when we visited and then the 12 year old Florentina on on my left Susan's right we did bring some of these Cadbury's chocolates this this wee fella took charge of them and uh, he did take charge of them because if you wanted one Anybody in the family had to get his permission to get a chocolate, and he, he, guarded, he guarded that bag anyhow. And the other wee fella, he's looking after the cat that was running about. But um, we had sent out the box, but there was another um, family from the Balamina direction had actually sent up uh, a large bag of clothes, all washed and prepared for a 12-year-old, and we were able to take them physically with us and as you can see, Florentina was delighted with the gifts that she received. Uh, there's a good coat for the winter time in Romania. Temperatures can go to minus 20, so it's good to have warm clothing. And she certainly received that. And as we said in a little video last Lord's Day, uh, she was just brought to tears that anyone would consider her. And I want to thank those that, that were able to make a contribution in any way. Uh, to bring joy to this child and there was a hat so this is the stages of what I'm just about to do I put on her head to keep her warm so pray for this young girl she's in very difficult circumstances she certainly is poor and needy and um, Stefan was very keen to show us where the chicken coop is going to be built so the, the chicken coop is going to be round the back here. We didn't understand you know, what he was saying, but his actions were, were enough just to tell us this is where this chicken coop is going to be. And this was the extended family. His sister lives next door, and some of their kids come over for the time that we were there. Graziella travels with us as our translator, so she, she does an invaluable task for us 
we were able to stop and get some groceries uh, for this family and, and their neighbours next door as well. So then, that was the, the Wednesday, Thursday, we went to Deborah House. We were to do that Tuesday, but some of the things had not arrived. And uh, she just tells them what is to go into each of these boxes. And instead of using the shoe boxes, we use these um, plastic boxes, which will be a storage container afterwards. So very thankful to the girls that, that got involved in preparing these. Just maybe to say that they're also getting shoe boxes, but they're getting them from Cartagena Nuevas. Alejandro's involved in a project uh, to get shoe boxes to each of the girls in Deborah House, so that they don't miss out. 140 of them altogether uh, were made up, and the same items just about going into to each. This gentleman on the right is uh, one of the new house parents for. Uh, looking after the girls in Deborah House 1. And the last thing to go on at the end, of course, is, is the lid. I took 40 of them, and the other 100 stayed um, for the, the orphanage and school at Rekash. But we loaded 40 of these into the car as best as we could. And then they presented us with this cake with the inscription, don't open till Christmas. Well, if we had awaited to Christmas, it would be all blue molded. So uh, they said they were really joking. Probably. And therefore, we, we, got it, we got it opened and brought it that night and distributed uh, to, to all who wanted a slice. And we were able to bring the girls out for a special treat, which was just lovely, to, to bring them to the shopping centre and they, they went bowling. And you'll see how excited they are when, when they do well. So you should be able to see this. Okay. I'm sure you get just as excited. That didn't do, go so well, sure didn't. <laughs> just from, even even throwing, it, throwing it like that, which is not the way to throw it. And uh, then just something to eat to round off the evening. So you know the, the background of these girls come from severely abused. And it was just nice to give them that little bit of joy for an evening. On the Saturday we travelled to Muldovanoa. This was the first uh, greeting that we got. This little boy came up the road from behind where Susan is there with this little bunch of flowers. So that was, a, that was a nice touch. Many of them running about just on their bare feet, as you can see. Uh, the weather was a wee bit warmer than here, maybe 17 degrees, but still we've seen them like this uh, when the temperatures have been quite low. And this was a big highlight, getting their, their shoe boxes that we had brought. <laughs> We know Sonia uh, quite well from years back and we saw her coming up the road on a bicycle 
But she didn't stop. She, she disappeared, and it was five minutes before we saw her. She'd actually gone into the house and got changed and just come out so she, was, she had her best wee clothes on to meet us. Ladies, organizing her little section of the community, making sure the children there get get their box. Nearly as big as a wee girl, isn't it? So again, much appreciating the the kindness shown. We went. There's a family had moved about five miles away and we, we sought them out. We brought some of the other Roma children because they knew where they lived. And uh, we just wanted to pass on a few of these as well to, to this family. But their conditions are, are dire, really are. Then we, we went shopping to get some groceries, just to get a bag of groceries for each family. And our three helpers. So they, they live in these derelict buildings. Um... This was the distribution of the groceries. Yeah, no, 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 no. Twenty families. Just a bag of groceries. It's not a lot. It is a large one. Mama, can you? And then one final treat that they got. We we ordered some pizzas from Park Place. That's what you call the restaurant. I don't own it, but we got them. And we brought them back. The man to do this, it keeps order a wee bit, you know. So it's always good to have their help. And then we were brought to see what they're going to have for Christmas. So come Christmas they'll put down a big spit and they'll feed the whole community. If anybody wants to go out and spend Christmas with them and uh, have, have, have this meal, they would be delighted to see you. I know that. And then after Christmas... These are all in, in for consumption. Oh, just coming in for a and Then the men, they wanted to get a photograph with us. So These are the three men on the left-hand side are older sons of Krina. Krina is the, the lady who got saved and her husband got saved. 
and she has 17 children. So Maria, you remember the story of Maria, her whole family uh, had been killed in, a, in an accident. And that's two of her children on the right hand side. So we're just asking you to pray for them, remember them in prayer. You see their faces, they're all little souls that need God's salvation. And if giving them a shoebox or a pizza is a stepping stone into their hearts, uh, we're happy to do that. We spent the day in Bethany then and uh, preached both services. So you go from the Psalm 40 verse 17 to the next verse and it brings you to the Psalm 41 verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. So that's a wee report. If anyone at any time has any question they want to ask, you can feel at liberty to do that. 363, who blessed the Lord, he cleansed my soul and filled my lips with singing. He came in my poor sinful heart and set the joy bells ringing. This is actually based on uh, Psalm 40. Oh, praise the Lord, he first loved me. I feel new life upspringing. He came in my poor sinful heart and set the joy bells ringing. Do we know, know this tune okay? You have another tune for it. Okay, thank you.
lovely to see the senior fellowship back again on Tuesday and enjoying a wee bite to eat. And this was the ladies' fellowship just from the back. Um, I opened in prayer and then I more or less left uh, the ladies to themselves. Just today I received some uh, photographs from Alesht. That's where Pastor Sabine is. And some money had been sent to help a wee family there who were in great need. The mother was going into hospital and uh, she needed surgery. The children also needed some food and clothing and so forth. And so uh, the pastor's wife, Emma, uh, sent these photographs through just today. So we do appreciate the care that she has for them. In the Philippines, do you remember the work there? The Reverend Ebenezer Nombre. These are some of the young people that he's working with and teaching the gospel to. And this is the children, the children's outreach work. Uh, many of them are from Roman Catholic backgrounds. So they're hearing the gospel and the seed of the gospel is being sown. Thinking about Ukraine, we want you to remember the Sloan family. Um, got a call from our sister Nan uh, Nixon this evening. They're not here because they're, they're, they're not well. They've got the cold. Didn't want to spread uh, the cold to others. But uh, she was saying that she had heard a report from Ukraine about the Sloan family. And although there's not as many refugees that are passing through now, uh, yet local people are coming in in an unprecedented way. And they had regularly 200 people coming to hear the gospel. So the war is awful, and yet it's having this very positive effect for the gospel and bringing people out onto the sound of the word. And they're getting great opportunities. Remember Pastor Florine, again, we're able to send money to help uh, with the emergency aid that they're bringing for the needy in Ukraine at this time. That's the pastor on the right-hand side. We continue to pray for the sick of our church and the needy, those that are struggling, many of them with health issues. And we remember all the needs in the land of Ukraine as well. Just looking to the Lord for his intervention. We come to our time of prayer. So it is at this stage we uh, part with those that are listening in on the internet. Thank you for joining us. And may the Lord bless you just where you are.